Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, are you ready to break a sweat? I wish we didn't have to do this right now. Oh, man. Matt, do you renounce it? What a movie. Yes, today we are reviewing Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 1984, starring Gal Gadot, uh, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, uh, Pedro Pascal, Robin Wright for like one scene um, and more. Uh, Released on December 25th uh, on HBO Max and in theaters if they are open in the US. And here in Canada, it is available as a premium VOD rental for $30. Um, as well as in, you know, select theaters in the like, you know, one or two that are open in Canada or whatever. Uh, Eric, how you doing? Uh, Merry Christmas. It's uh, just after Boxing Day. We're recording this on the 27th. Uh, how was your holidays? You know, uneventful and uh, a little lonely, a little different from, you know, years past. But I mean, given what this year is expected. Um, but overall, I mean, you know, family's in good health, so I can't really what about you yeah i feel you same yeah it was pretty chill low-key you know tried to you know which everyone should be doing is uh, we're in full lockdown again here in ontario so just staying in and you know um with your household or your family and you know it was it was nice it was like it was i said this to my parents and other people like it felt weirdly like cathartic in a sense of like not having to do the whole big family gathering and i I don't i mean i love my family i love my mom's side i love my dad's side but like it was nice that you like didn't have to get dressed up and go somewhere or we ordered our food in from a wonderful like local restaurant in in whippy um called butchies shout out to butchies they're like a barbecue restaurant and they did like you know packaged uh like heated up at home turkey dinners that you could do so we did that so we didn't have to cook and it just felt nice to be like oh on christmas day we didn't have to like you know after the morning thing like rush out of the house and go somewhere and like mingle with with my family love them they stopped by socially distanced and we waved at them from the front porch but um it was kind of nice to just stay on my track pants all day and um not that i haven't been doing that every day anyway i've been wearing pants at all let's just be honest And then I watched this movie at 9 p.m. on Christmas Day. So, you know, there's that. Um, Just I want to tell everyone like there we there might be mild spoilers in this review. We're not going to give away the like, you know, the movie or anything. But there's certain plot points I need to address and I need to talk about. They're not like giving away the movie, but they'll kind of give away certain things or why certain characters return or something like that so if you haven't watched the movie yet um spoilers for the end of this i don't even think it's worth your time or the 30 dollars. or i mean i guess if you have hbo max and you're curious you probably are going to watch it anyway or you have watched it but there are some things eric that i just got to talk about so i need to just say that up front that we will be spoiling certain plot devices <laughs> and i think that's fair especially when you have a film that is I mean, superhero movies in general are plot driven, driven, yeah, the nature of the beast. But this is something that I, I'm I'm fascinated to discuss with you because I think my biggest problem with this movie overall, and I can't pinpoint why it is the way it is, and I think it's worth having the discussion is 
This film is two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah. Figure out what was the necessity or the need to make it that long. The story itself is pretty simplistic and it doesn't feel but also convoluted. <laughs> well, it is convoluted, but, but, but at the same time, like it feels like this could have been a half an hour or hour episode of what the original wonder woman series was in the 1970s with Linda Carter. Like this didn't need to be two and a half hours long. Like as much as I hate Batman versus Superman, you know, Dawn of justice and man of steel and things like that. There there are certain at or justice league there. I can understand why like Batman versus Superman is that long. Like it's still a yes. terrible movie in a slog, but like y- you have these two characters being pitted against each other. You need time to kind of like, you know, build their stories. And then you introduce wonder woman as well into the mix. And so like, I, I, I get the process behind this, but watching this movie, this could have been a lean 90 hour 45 at top. Yeah, yeah. And I think I would have been more favorable to it because I'm not against the goofy nature of the plot, which is essentially Wonder Woman is now, you know, incognito in the 1980s, uh, living in Washington, D.C. and working for the Smithsonian. And, you know, she helps people here and there kind of in that, you know, Superman three kind of way of course correcting situations, whether they, they be, you know, be bank robbers or, you know, um, you know, local crime in the area. But she always finds a way to sort of, you know, hide the fact that she's, you know, kind of doing this, like even just like kind of knocking out the cameras. And I guess that would also be like the main continuity, I would say, between this and the rest of the DCEU, because in Batman vs Superman, you have a scene between uh, Bruce Wayne and Diana uh, Prince, who talks about, you know, where where were you after World War One? You kind of like vanished off the face of the earth, you know, and just kind of reappeared recently. So, like, except she uses her name as her career at right. the Smithsonian, right. and she just like it's I don't know. Anyways, well, I, I, I agree, but I feel like the, like there's a scene at the beginning of the of this film, not the prologue, which again like that feels like they didn't need to bring back Robin Wright and Connie Nielsen to kind of no. build the more. But I like that scene. It's kind of the it's the actual uh, to me. I I actually was into that first twenty minutes uh, on Themyscira, and and uh, I, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I dug that kind of, you know, uh, uh, American Ninja Warrior <laughs> wipeout kind of sequence of her young Diana kind of in this competition, uh, this race. And like um, that was all shot in IMAX. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. It's still cheesy. Um, but, you know, I, I I don't think it was necessary. But at least at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, all right, I can kind of this is a fun sequence. And then that slowly goes. away. But it also adds more time to the movie yes. and again it's partly it doesn't add anything really no no no, no. The, the the only thing it does is it brings back as i mentioned robin wright and connie nielsen and then also the fact that diana doesn't cheat or doesn't take the shortcut around you know like that's the the moral yeah. compass that she has is that you know the best way to do something is to be truthful and to always you know be honest and and do the right thing and always do it you know, all in and not half-heartedly, you know, like the idea that, you know, when she's younger, she tries to kind of cheat by taking a shortcut in this, you know, Olympian-esque 
sort of, as you mentioned, American gladiator arena kind of thing. And, and, yeah. and that to me, like that, you don't need that. You could have had that somewhere in the, the, the eighties and sort of mentioned that's that true, somewhere. Yeah. It's just a reference. Um, but yeah, it, that's also ridiculous yeah. as well with, with Diane, like being like, American gladiator is ripe for the taking in the eighties. Right. On. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and that's something that I think we should also talk about as well, because even though it is, you know, it does take place in 84 and there are references here and there. It could have leaned more into yeah, the the 100%. 80s culture, the way that like, I mean, I know Star Trek 4 was made in the 80s, but like Star Trek 4, the one with, with the whales, like that is truly like a fish out of water 80s comedy. And like I was thinking, OK, like that's going to be like maybe some of the fun stuff with this movie where, you know, Diane is now in the 80s and, you know, like we're, you know, watching and listening to things that are of the time and, you know, it becomes a kind of fish out of water story. But it's now the roles are reversed with Diane kind of being the one that has to teach uh, Steve Trevor played by Chris Pine God again. Damn it. And, yeah, let's just get into that. Yeah. So, okay. Like- so that's, that's another thing. So she works at the Smithsonian uh, where uh, one of her uh, colleagues played by Kristen Wiig, uh, Barbara uh, Minerva um, is kind of like the geeky shy um, sort of, you know, expert anthropologist kind of multi-hyphenate. Um, and she's kind of been tasked with sort of looking at all these artifacts that they've recently uncovered, one of which is a fucking dream stone. Magical wishing crystal, Eric. A fucking magical wishing crystal. You don't know how many times I sat here and turned to Nevis and went, Nevis, you know, all of this movie, it took them a while. They're like, all right, guys, uh, what should be the MacGuffin of the movie? How do we get Steve Trevor to come back? Because you know what? We really fucked up by killing him in the first one. We kind of want, we kind of want to bring him back. And then someone's like, I got it. Magical wishing crystal. <laughs> Did right. you guys see Aladdin? Genies? Wish- Not a genie, though. Movie Wish yeah. from 1997 with Andrew Devov. Wish- yeah. Um, which I kind of, again, I don't mind the goofiness of this. The campiness, yeah. It feels like this would be better suited for an episode of TV than a two and a half hour film. You know, like yeah. do one episode. This would be like one episode in season five of a uh, you know a long running series. Like X Files did an episode of you know a genie um, <laughs> that featured Will Faso in it in like your sixth season. So you know, like it's not uncommon to do something like that. Not a uh, you know two hundred million dollar blockbuster that's two and a half hours long. Yeah, and I think it's the script is the thing that kind of yeah. it's so lazy and like it's just it's overlong and it's lazy and the whole thing is just about this magical wishing crystal that she just randomly happens to come across um in a a robbery that then goes to the smithsonian and then she accidentally wishes upon to bring back steve trevor and that's how you bring him back and then the whole movie revolves around this guy who just wants this magical wishing crystal to do what i don't even really know eric i don't even know what he was trying to accomplish. So that guy by the way is uh played by pedro pascal uh the mandalorian (laughs) himself uh, <laughs> as Max or Maxwell Lord, who is a kind yeah. of failing master of the universe type in the Reagan era, who you know has a company that is basically kind of failing. You know, like right now, it's all it. He's trying to you know sell these plotted lands that have uh, oil or oil wells that are kind of dried up. 
Um, and so, yes, he he knows of this dreamstone, this this wishing crystal. How? How? Well, they 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 make this thing that they make this little thing that like it has sort of a Latin inscription on the inside, and that Maxwell sure. Lord is you know Spanish. So that's I, I mean, the, I that's the connection. Mean, like that's the level of like thinking that this movie has. And I get it. Like people, I've seen people tweeting being like, "Oh, do you guys not realize that all superhero movies are dumb?" Yeah, I get it. Superhero movies are dumb. The Avengers movies had a bunch of crystals as well that a magical purple dude had to get and then do it. But it's called like character development and you develop this shit and make me like buy into it. I know it's all fucking dumb, but if you just drop this stuff in my lap and then go, "Yeah, there's a magic wishing crystal that now everyone's gonna get a wish but it's gonna fuck their lives up and it's just like what what like you did you can't just go that and then that be the thing of the movie i just like it was so stupid throughout the whole thing and i couldn't take it seriously at all and i get that i'm with you i'm all for a campy tone in the first mall sequence i'm like oh are they going for like a you know 80s spielberg kind of corny vibe to it because it takes place in the 80s i'm like i get that they're trying to make an 80s movie that takes place in the 80s like an 80s superhero movie but that's not really what they do that kind of like leaves and then the movie ends up being campy but it doesn't feel like it's like intentionally campy it feels like this weird middle ground where i'm like the movie can't decide if it wants to be taken seriously like a serious dc movie or if it wants to go full-blown camp even though it is doing full-blown camp i just don't know if it realizes it's going full-blown camp does that make sense yeah it's it's more it's i'd say it's probably even more tonally confused than shazam is in in terms of like what it wants to be because like it plays the romance between Steve and and Diana very earnestly, which I don't mind. And like, even weirdly, there's this, there's this kind of like underlying sexual chemistry between Barbara and Diane. And like, yeah. you think like that might be something, but it, it, it doesn't really go anywhere. But yeah, the, 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 the crux of this movie, the conceit of the film is that it's basically, as, as you mentioned with the MacGuffin, you know, the dreamstone is, you know, the parable of the monkey's paw, you know, careful what you yeah. wish for. And that, you know, even though you might get the wish that you, you, you wanted, it's not going to be the exact thing that, it, that you desire. It'll take, take something from Yeah. You. And so I think the one time I did laugh or had a genuine moment where I thought I like it was, lot, it was, dude. well, no, 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 not at oh, it, sorry. but with okay. it. Yeah. And yeah. and it's a it's a very it's a very easy laugh, but I think it was a very genuine and cute kind of thing where the guy wishes for a cup of coffee and he gets it and it's just hot. Like that's like that's it's basically yeah. like the episode of The Simpsons where he, where Homer yeah. asks for the turkey sandwich and he eats it and it's like everything is fine, but the, the you know the, it's a little dry. Like that's yeah, like that that to me kind of like that works. Like that's funny and it's a very simple joke. But yeah, then you get the idea that okay, like everybody that makes a wish also has something taken away from them that goes to Max to to the Wishmaster, who's Max Lord, who his wish is that he wants to become the Dreamstone. So, so he literally stupid. he becomes the Wishmaster. <laughs> it's so dumb, man. I kept being like, no way this is real. I'm like, no way this is the actual plot of this movie. And they go with it. They definitely go with it for two and a half hours. And you and you know what? Again, like I I wouldn't be against this if this was like a 90-minute movie if it was a little bit more fun and it leaned into kind of, again, 
the eighties culture. Like I was hoping for more. And again, it's, it's a very easy kind of way to kind of get you into it. But like, I was weirdly hoping for like more, like, you know, like music cues. Like there's Hans Zimmer's score. There's a couple of times where I was thinking, Oh, they're going to play like, you know, Frankie goes to Hollywood's relax or something. And there's a moment where it actually sounds like it's the opening, you know, few notes of that, you know, song. And then it doesn't go there. And like this movie for the most part could have taken place at any time. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like it it needed to be in the eighties. Like it didn't. The only reason you're doing it is because you set the first movie um, 40 years previous and you just need to like kind of advance her to get her to modern day. Right. Yeah. And again, you kind of reverse the the fish out of water story when, when Steve is kind of experiencing you know, the, the, the eighties from, from that point of view. And then also just the idea that you don't need, or you don't have to worry about like cell phones and things like that, like to, you know, for, for the character to kind of duck and dodge in the situation. And then I think the thing that is probably the most problematic aspect of it, but it's maybe not as offensive. It's more ignorant than anything else is there's this whole section of the film where Max Lord, who wants to control all of, you know, the oil industry and crude oil specifically goes to Egypt and talks to, um, you know, this, this wealthy man who, you know, has this oil tech tycoon tycoon who has this you know history that magazine man like tycoon like but you know what though that is something that 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 is more realistic of the 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 80s 80s. yeah Yeah, like everybody was on cocaine then and like i laughed a lot at the magazine that they kept referencing i think the problem though is it, it, it it tries to simplify the the conflicts that are going on in the middle east especially at that time with you know you know, Muslim culture and, you know, like the Russians and, you know, invading and giving them arms and things like that. And then also like what's going on with Israel and Palestine and, and, and sort of, it kind of makes light of those things in one sequence. And that whole Cairo section, there's some pretty dodgy CGI, especially with children. Oh my God, that scene. I'm like, why are those kids on that road? And why don't they get off the road? They see a giant, like, frigging uh truck in like four cars coming and these parents are at this gas station or something and like it's just and then yeah there's some pretty dodgy cgi of like diana the whole movie whenever like she's kind of in the air and or slow motion running like it's a similar kind of thing they do with the flash where they just put it in slow motion when he's running but it just looks so goofy with her like like every action sequence just looks goofy in this there's the in the like i mentioned the mall sequence and even the opening in imax and the muscaria but like um I, i i don't know like everything looked so corny and like that's what i mean i'm like everything just looks bad how is this movie 200 million dollars right yeah i'm with you i don't know yeah and then and then again going back to sort of like you know bringing in some social commentary about you know like a woman kind of feeling powerless in a sort of male dominated society you have wig who wishes to be like diana which means she has godlike powers and she becomes kind of, you know, sexy and cool and what have you. And then the idea that, you know, like there's this one kind of like drunk guy who tries to, you know, abuse her one night and, you know, she yeah. gets her revenge. And again, it's very, it's what you would expect from a comic book movie in, in those kind of terms, but also it kind of handles it in a very just kind of like 
flat kind of way and it feels like do do you need to address this kind of content when you also have a movie that is focused on a wishing stone yeah and you're not really going very deep into it it's the most surface level commentary you could possibly kind of yeah like even even the reference to like there is a reference to working girl where you know uh at one point um wig's character barbara is kind of helping out before she kind of turns to the the dark side completely to find out uh, you know the the origins of the dreamstone. The dreamstone plays such a huge factor in this movie; it's unbelievable. Um, but like, there's a line where this cop says, "You know, do you want coffee, tea, or me?" And that's a line that Joan Cusack has from Working Girl. So it is trying, you know, here and there to kind of like pepper in some '80s references. But it's it's also strange because Working Girl was released in the late '80s, not '84. So it's 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 an odd reference to kind of like put in there. You know, considering that, you know, this is, you know, in the mid 80s and not at the end. Um, as the story progresses, uh, we we learn that uh, Max uh, Lord's plot is to basically, you know, broadcast, you know, the it's Jim Carrey's plot from Batman. It, it really is to 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 broadcast on uh, a global stage to get everybody to wish something so he can take from them it's so stupid they the whole movie they set up okay you have to touch so, like you have to touch the stone right. to wish well, on it's, it right it's, it's like I am, touch someone right but then he's like i am the wishing master now i am the wish master um so he goes around and keeps touching people and getting them to wish things and then someone's like oh yeah we have this technology or uh, sorry the president of the united states ronald reagan um, who doesn't really look that, like ronald no reagan. Or sound like Ronald Reagan um, says like, sorry, we're kind of, I, I told you there'd be some spoilers. We won't give away like the very end of the movie, but um, he's just like, oh, we have this technology that we're working on that can take over every television feed in the entire world if we wanted to with the satellite. And he's like, it's almost because of the sound waves or whatever that you reach out and touching them. <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense. Right. That doesn't make sense. The whole movie. You it's said the particles, you have to man. And now because he's on TV and people wish they can get their wish, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Oh uh, God. And I'm not saying it has to make sense, Eric, no. but it sort of needs to be like, logical in the rules that you set up in the movie that you're doing you can't just randomly change them willy-nilly because you want this finale where this world ending kind of situation kind of thing yeah and 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 i think the one other thing that i kind of liked that it was doing is that and again it's it's nothing kind of revolutionary or like all that interesting but for what the movie is it's like you're grasping at straws here so you're trying to find something to be like oh that kind of maybe you know, positive to talk about. I like the kind of almost Cronenbergian esque toll it starts to take on Max like melting. But then the thing that drove me nuts about this movie as well is the child actor who plays his son, Alistair, <laughs> feels like a kid who was cast last minute because the actor that they had originally dropped, dropped out. out at the last minute and they didn't have anybody else so they asked like the crew like who has a kid who can play this role and it literally looks like this kid has been like kidnapped on set and it's like can you just like pretend that you're this guy's son for you know th- these scenes and like react to him and he barely has any lines in the first <clears throat> half of the movie and then all of a sudden he has like those cliched like i want my dad back kind of thing and it's just yeah so it's just, and then i also don't get, like, 
why would this god who created this magical wishing crystal just be like, all right, but if you renounce your wish, we all good, homie. Right. We all good. You just like, I'm a, I'm a bad, I, like, I'll fuck you up. If you want something, I'll fuck you up. But you renounce your wish. We're good. We're good. Just take it back. That's all you got to do. Right. Like that doesn't make, that also doesn't make any sense. This god who creates this stone that says you can have whatever you want, but I'll fuck you. I'll fuck you up. Um, that all you got to do is say, I don't want to wish anymore. And then everything's cool. Everyone who wishes just has to be like, I don't want to wish anymore. Or the wish master needs to say that. Um, because I guess all the other people don't have to, but like, it just, everything is just like, feels like they're like, ah, fuck. Uh, how do we get out of this? Uh, all right. Wishing crystal. <laughs> and then, or they're like, all right. Uh, how do we get out of this? Maybe you can just say, I renounce my wish. And like, then you're good. You're cool. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, even it's where like, they integrate the, 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 the more exposition about, uh, the, the dreamstone with the idea that, uh, it wiped out the Mayan culture. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like we're <laughs> going there. Really? Uh, this fucking movie. Um, yeah, again, like it, I was at that point, I was truly laughing at it. Um, in, in, in so many ways. And, and I mean, obviously this isn't really spoiling anything too much, but like in the trailer, it reveals that, you know, Kristen Wiig goes full on Jellicle, uh, yeah. in, in, as, as a cat, uh, lady, not cat woman, but cat lady. Uh, and it's so it horrible. And again, like it, it's not playing by its rules where it's like, but you know what, maybe I can give you another wish, you know? And like, and, and her wish is to become an apex predator. And it's like, so we go to cat automatically. <laughs> she's already had a wish, which they've already set up that if you've wished once, you cannot wish again. Remember the guy he goes into in his office and he's like, oh, what do you want? And he says it and he's like, did I talk to you yesterday? And he's like, oh, yeah, I wished for a Ferrari or whatever. He said. Yeah. Um, and then like, but yeah, now randomly. Yep. You can become cheetah woman. Like, <laughs> And then it's like a five minute fight sequence that looks horrible. And then also on top of that, Diana just randomly in passing in one of these scenes is like, oh yeah, I found this dope ass, like super gold armor during the 40 years. We didn't talk. Like I just have it I in my closet. It from Goldar. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And like, it's just this passing thing she says to Steve or whatever. And I'm like, that's the laziness of this script, Eric. And this is what I keep talking about. It's like, all right, guys, what do we got here? We need to do something in the finale of the movie. Oh, what happens if she has that cool gold armor that um, defended Asteria against the Spartans? Has? Yeah, like that one. Remember that from the comics? Probably. I don't know. That's probably a thing. Um, okay, how is she going to get that? What she could have just gotten it in the 40 years that we don't, we never saw. And everyone's like, yeah, Steve, great idea. Or not Steve, because it's Steve Trevor, but uh, <laughs> Jim, Jim, great idea. Um, it's just like, she'll just have it in her closet. And does she have to earn it or anything? Not really. She can just put it on. And like, I think she just, just stole it after the uh, American Gladiators game. <laughs> she didn't really yeah. learn her lesson. <laughs> And then, like, the whole finale, yeah, just reminded me of Batman Forever and the Riddler's whole plot line. And that's – this movie has almost a – like, it's probably not as bad as Batman Forever or Batman and Robin, but it's that kind of campiness where I'm like, I cannot believe this is the tone that they intentionally went for. And uh, like, But there and was a reason that Batman Forever did that specifically because, I mean, we both like uh, uh, Batman Returns quite a bit. And when yeah. that movie was released, it upset a lot of people, especially children and also advertisers. So people like 
McDonald's and like toy companies because they didn't want a product that was associated with something dark and weird and and gross. Like a lot of people that loved Batman 89 and wanted that sequel were expecting more of the same and not like a full on Tim Burton movie. And so when they, you know, greenlit the, the, the Batman forever, I mean, Burton was going to direct it at one point, but then he could tell they didn't want him to do it anymore. And the tone that they wanted was to go kind of more of, you know, the Adam West's, kind of campiness like even down to like the neon lighting of those of batman yeah. forever and batman and robin like like i understand why they did that where and i understand why they like like i like that wonder woman is 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 a lighter movie like it doesn't have to be dark and brooding the way that i like, agree with that Zack yeah. snyder stuff is and i think that's maybe the I one thing where i that. can appreciate this movie a little bit even though again i found everything that happened in this movie inconsequential yeah, I agree. And I just commit to that. That's all I'm saying is like, we keep saying how tonally inconsistent it is. And we had this same issue with Shazam. And I, I use the term DC's back on their bullshit with Shazam because like part of them, Eric wants to be that fun. Oh, we can do what we want. Like these movies can be fun thing, but they're always kind of stuck back into either like trying to be dark at times or, or serious or this in, in this movie it wants to be you know earnest or meaningful or hopeful um and then it just comes across as kind of lame or cheesy like it doesn't feel hopeful or or comforting or like or positive or, or anything like that because it just i'm like rolling my eyes at the entire thing because it's about a magical wishing crystal and this guy where i'm like i don't even know what he really wants like he wants his company to succeed he wants it all i mean that's like, that's yeah. the joke of it like it's like okay, it's just, we yeah, put it in I mean, the 80s and it's about excess and yes. decadence and over the top kind of qualities it's like this is how we sum up what the 80s is and, and we don't need all this and we can all help each other and we can I'm like oh my god I want to barf in my mouth like I made a joke about like it's based on the song Imagine by Gal Gadot I got and more I'm like, of a visceral reaction out of that video like I yeah. like I felt something more from that what did I feel I felt awkwardness and and cringe induced like anxiety watching it but at least I kind of had a reaction to it where what I mean this I was this like, feels like it's taking that sentiment that was in that video that everyone laughed at and then making a two and a half hour movie out of it, which right. then just sucks the kind of, you know, at least cringiness or or fun out of it because you can laugh at that imagined video of like, oh my God, why the fuck would they do this? Where here you're like, you took that tone of like the power of positivity or or everyone can just help each other and you don't need more than you need uh, kind of thing. And just put it into a two and a half hour superhero movie about a wishing crystal. And I'm just like, I just don't, this is so I get it. They're superhero movies. They're mostly for children, but a lot of the times these are for, you know, it's trying, it's this thing we talked about Pixar where like, and Marvel, I think does a good job at this of like making a movie that yes, is, is, geared towards a younger audience or kids but has like at least some character development or great character building uh, or you know things exciting action set pieces and and stuff like that that are for everyone or f geared for towards adults where this like i'm like i don't know who it's really for i wish they kind of just went into like full 80s camp and they were like 
kind of there, but then didn't really buy into the eighties campiness of it, where then it feels like it's like this modern movie that has some campiness in it. And then it just feels kind of like the fuck is happening. And um, I'm with you where if they just would have went full in, like let's take movies from the eighties and just make this bombastic eighties style superhero movie and have it be campy and just embrace that tone. And I just feel like, um, if that's what they were going for, I just feel like they kind of missed the mark and it just felt like, uh, inconsistent. And I got a little bit of that at the beginning in that mall sequence. And I'm like, Oh, I get what they're doing with the girl smiling or winking at the, at the camera and stuff like that. But then once you get to Egypt and like all this other stuff that doesn't really feel all that fun or like, but it still looks bad. (laughs) And I'm just like, I I don't know what this movie wants to be. And it just ends up completely missing the mark. And I like, again, I looked at my DC rankings because I I rewatched them all recently because I followed along with kind of funny during their DC EU, like in review. And, um, uh, I mean, sure. Wonder Woman, the first one is this, my second ranked DC movie at like a three or three and a half stars. I forget what it is. I think it's three. Uh, so that's saying something. Right. But, but um, it has moments in there. Like, like even though Wonder Woman's not a great movie, at least it has like the scene where she comes out of the trenches, you yes. know, wearing the suit and it's an inspirational triumphant moment. And you do yeah. really get excited for it. And I, and I think like we talked about one, we've talked about Wonder Woman in the past. And I think the biggest problem with that movie is that it's bookended by very conventional action set pieces that feel very much yeah. in line with it. But it at least kind of opened the door for DC to do something new and fun. And it was kind of like, oh, this shows a lot of promise for what this could be for a sequel. And like, I think a lot of people were wishing that this was going to be a good follow-up, a fun movie. I was, I was like, I mentioned star Trek for the voyage home, like with the whales is a fun movie where you have, you know, Kirk and Spock hanging around San Francisco in the 1980s and kind of living it up and learning the culture and like, yeah, it panders, but it's so much fun. That's what you kind of want in a movie like this. If anything, I want this movie to pander. Like, I don't want it to try like to take itself seriously. I want it to relax. And and again, I do like that fish out of water thing. And you get Steve Trevor kind of doing that, but it just feels like he feels so thrown in and weird in this movie that you're just like, oh, we needed to have Chris Pine come back because you know people liked their relationship in the first one. Did we talk and about like, how he came back? Like what what how like he he's brought uh, we back? can. I just like which is stupid in itself. Yeah, and like and even the way that they're so obviously setting it up, but then they don't trust their audience enough to realize what's happening. So they need to really go full blown of like, Oh no, he needs to look in a mirror for like a minute and a half, just so you understand what's happening. And I'm like, all right, that's enough. And I think Stoll did that better this year as well, where like you have a scene where, you know, a character is having a conversation with another, but it's a different person, you know, inside the body, right? Like, even onward has a moment like that as well. And Pixar did, you know, a stronger job with both of those scenes where like it shows you the shift. Like, so the idea is that Steve Trevor is now brought back. His soul is anyways, uh, in the body of a guy, you know, an eighties kind of, kind of yuppie kind of guy. Um, and sort of their relationship kind of continues on where it left off from world war one. So, it it's just a bizarre way to bring that character back. And as much as I like Chris Pine, and I think there is this kind of 
ideological kind of like naivete to him. And, and he is a very kind of like sweet G golly kind of guy. He didn't need to be in this movie. It's, 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 no. it's the same thing with like Robin Wright and Connie Nielsen at the beginning. You're just shoehorning people in from the first one and figuring out like, Oh, how can we put in what people liked in the first movie again? Because we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner because we killed them off or, you know, they can't be brought back or she can't go back to, you know, her home. So it's like, how do we, how do we write around that? And the way that it does it, it's so lazy. Like it's, it's just so lazy. Yeah. And preposterous. I mean, like, again, I know what this movie is, but it is preposterous even for the context of this film. Yes. It and that's what dumb. I mean by like, you need to build up to something like that. You need to give us context of a wishing crystal before you just introduce a wishing crystal, like by happenstance. Like, it's not like she was searching for it or we learned about it before the movie just drops you in. And then someone's like, Oh, that's Latin saying, uh, you can, you can wish and get your wish to come true. And then Diana wishes for Steve. And then we're on, we're rolling baby. Pedro Pascal knows about the wishing crystal. Kristen Wiig becomes sexy and a cheetah woman. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just, uh, we didn't talk much about Kristen Wiig. We talked a little bit about the, uh, the last act when she becomes cheetah and it feels, but I, I did genuinely kind of like her, um, you know, uh, progression from, I mean, it's pretty cliched. We've seen it a hundred times in superhero movies. The nerdy person with, glasses now becomes strong and wants to get it's electro you know, it's, it's electro it's uh jim carrey in, in, it is uh, it's edward in, Nima, yeah. It's like, yeah it's all that shit but like i, I like Kristen wig and i liked seeing her in something like this i just wish she was maybe i i don't know the movie was better around her or like they found a better way to I don't, I don't think they needed to go full cheetah. Like they could have done an interpretation of cheetah. Cause I think cheetah is supposed to be like wonder woman's like Joker, like her arch nemesis. Which and you like, never get from this. No. And like, if anything, you're cheering for her for kind of some of it with like some of the things we talked about and you're like, all right, she doesn't seem like that bad of a person. She just wants to, you know, to be confident and, and sexy and, and but more also like just to be treated with respect like, from her colleagues and like yeah. upon as, as, as somebody who is to a be noticed, which is yeah. always this, right. It's like, Oh, I'm, I'm smart, but no one pays attention to me kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. Like I, I liked Kristen Wiig. I'll give her that. And I even Pedro Pascal at least is like the person who I feel like he knows what kind of movie he's in um, where for the most part, no one else does. Right. Um, I don't know, but it's still on that borderline of like campy, but not like, I just want crank it up to like 84. Um, don't. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, I don't know. I want to give Kristen Wiig a shout out though. Cause I did kind of like, um, her character throughout the movie until it goes full jellicle at the end where I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I like her a lot as well. I don't know if I, I love the performance as a whole, maybe more so the character, how it's written, but like, I think like all you needed to do with her in terms of like, you know, presenting, you know, the, the, the cheetah side, is just like, through the clothing and through the attitude and through that's the what I mean. Like you didn't need to make her an actual cheetah woman. No. You could have just like, they alluded to all the cheetah print throughout the whole movie, like yeah. all over the place. You, you don't I'll, need to make her a literal, like you don't need to turn this into the Island of Dr. Monroe. Like you, you, yeah. you don't need to like with comic book adaptations, we've learned that it doesn't have to be 
as literal as it was kind of created in the you know the 40s 50s and 60s like it's more interesting if you actually interpret it in your own way of how this works in this world yeah which that reminds you the most of the Zack snyder stuff like the cgi heavy like action sequences and it's just it just kind of it, it kind of betrays the character and then at the end like in the last yeah. act she's kind of a second thought for for the most part and like even some of the stuff with like what the the conflict between her and diane diana is isn't really even earned and then fleshed out it, yeah yeah there's even a moment where there could have been something kind of interesting there where it goes darker the choice that diana has to make you know in a split second decision kind of thing and it kind of takes it back afterwards and it's kind of like, Oh, this would have actually maybe added some depth to that character and sort of her kind of always having to kind of, you know, think about whether or not to interject into helping humanity, you know, or, or kind of let them kind of figure it out themselves. Um, I, I just think that it's one of those movies where it is kind of, your classic sequel in that it's bigger, it's louder, it's colorful, but it doesn't have really anything that is enjoyable about it. It's just kind of yeah. there. It, 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 it goes through the paces and it's, it's a weird movie because like I could understand if this was like the third or fourth in a franchise and it was kind of like spinning its wheels, but to be the second film and to kind of like, you know, work on something that already had promise it's, it's just bizarre. Like, I mean, I, it's even like, you know, Men in Black 3 when they kind of like that was the end capper to that trilogy and they turned it into like almost like a like again, like a TV episode with the time travel sort of gimmick of it. And it kind of felt like, well, wouldn't this be something that you would do, you know, not in, in a film that's kind of wrapping up like this story between all these characters? And this kind of feels similar where it's like this is a weird way to possibly wrap up the last wonder woman movie for a while at least in such a a strange way and then like when it becomes you know is wonder woman 1984 a christmas movie it definitely is a hallmark film in the last five minutes of the of the movie spoiler alert and, and it's guess just what that guy ridiculous. is in a bunch of hallmark movies did you know that the yeah. guy who plays yeah Steve Trevor's, i looked it up uh, afterwards it was like yeah. yeah it makes sense makes perfect that, sense that tracks uh anyways uh is not-, not very good in this movie i gotta say like the one scene like the big emotional scene she oh, has yeah, we haven't talked about between that her yet. and uh and pine like you know you know the scene i'm talking about yes, where, yes. Where, where she has to do a little bit of a run afterwards and like yeah a corny slow motion run yeah oh my god it's, it's so cheesy and like a, a, again it just doesn't work i don't think she's a great actress uh if i'm gonna be straight up no like, but she, uh, she's she's got that kind of like 80s like action hero vibe to her and I, I think she's fine in in the role in terms of like just like look and presence but yeah i yeah, agree with she, that she's no stallone <laughs> She's uh she's not great and she's not great in in, in this. Um no one really like again, I said I kinda at least Pedro Pascal at times feels like he knows what movie he's in. Um, even though it just his character's motivations and just everything. I, I never I was just like I get the the theme of greed and excess, but I was just like, all of this is nonsensical and just you lost me at wishing crystal, and then you just go you go all out on the wishing crystal. Like how many Nevis was like, take a shot every time someone says wish in this movie and you'd be dead. (laughs) You'd be dead by the end of it. Um, And I just like it. You just, when someone 
when your climax of your movie is relying on the phrase i renounce my wish you just that's a hard hill to climb <laughs> like that's hard you that's better be hard a damn for, good movie to earn that <laughs> yeah like if your whole last thing needs to be like all right the main thing is going to be i renounce my wish that's what we need to do and it's just like i can't i'm like i'm like is he gonna say it is he gonna say it and then i'm like oh no um and like it's just it's so I couldn't get over magical wishing crystal and I get it. It's a superhero movie. There's lots of MacGuffins and they're all silly, but like this just felt the laziest script writing thing of solving five problems in one without really explaining anything and not really even solving them, but just finding a way to, you know, haphazardly make a plot to a movie. And you're just like, where in a writer's room is everyone like, fucking nailed it man <laughs> you nailed it well, wishing that's the Chris. thing it's it comes down to the script i think that like the patty patty jenkins and and uh jeff johns and and dave uh callahan like i don't know like if they were working together at all at this or like they passed it on and and it went through you know multiple drafts but to me, this just feels like something that was cobbled together, you know, like, and, and the only thing that they all committed to was the wishing stone. Like, I almost wish they went even more ridiculous and made it a well or something like that. Like, just something like so outlandish, where it's like, okay, well, at least they're embracing the kind of goofiness of it all. But like, they make it this wishing stone that has these properties, but they also still kind of treat it with like, a seriousness that it's this threat to the world. And we didn't even talk yeah. about, you know, how she's able to like the, the invisible jet, you know, like oh, yeah. her, her that, powers again, cloaking. just a throwaway line where she's like, oh, I've done this once. Um, let's try it. <laughs> like She's like, and I was only able to do it with a coffee cup. And you're like, that's the fan servicey bullshit of like, Oh, well, she has an invisible jet, so we should give her the invisible jet. And then someone's like, how do we do that? We got that wishing stone. Ah, she wished for Steve Trevor already. Fuck. Oh, but that other, like, Kristen Wiig gets to do two wishes. Does she get to? Nah. What if, like, she just has another power we don't know about where she can just make things invisible? And she's, she's only done it once. man. Yeah. And then, like the lasso of truth which we had in the other movie and like the little wonder woman things that are like yeah i get it they're part of her you know her character and things like that but now but like, that lasso can also show you like past history as well like it just on. shows you the truth your truth eric doesn't necessarily make you tell the truth it's just like this literally just feels like they're sitting in a room jeff johns uh patty jenkins and really it looks like patty jenkins is probably like you know what Dave and Jeff, go write this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got other things to do. Uh, I'm working and, on a Star Wars movie now. Dude. Yeah, which now I'm worried about. I, I'm not, I had it. Tweet- I'm, I'm not. I think like I was thinking about that as well when I was watching this. To me, this almost feels like Patty Jenkins. Maybe was this was weirdly more like an obligation to come back or and do this. Thing, like, but uh, but with the Star Wars movie, I'm I, I think I think it'll be fine. 
I, it, she seems that. very genuine in that like you know announcement video talking about her father and her love for both star wars and you know fighter jets and i'm like I, i'm still down I'm, i was gonna make a joke and then i didn't end up tweeting it because i was like i had the simpson gift of like a homer and bart like uh you know the one where he's like join us and he's tapping on the couch oh yeah and i was yeah, gonna yeah. be like and I was going to be like, oh, look, it's uh, Phil Lord, Chris Miller, uh, everyone who's been fired from Star Wars movies uh, and just like saying to Patty Jenkins, like, join us. And like, because it seems like Colin Trevorrow and uh, Josh Trank and well, stuff like that. It'd be amazing. It's like or- literally it's like like Kathleen Kennedy sees Wonder Woman 1984 and she's she she dials on the phone like she has like an old landline phone and she's like, get me Ron Howard. Yeah. Like, and I didn't want to make the joke because like I do I do like Patty Jenkins and I'm like, I don't want to like completely be part of that, you know, vitriol that's like, you know, the online discourse. Discourse, which, you know, has been happening. And like again, I don't like the movie and I I tweeted out like like what you want to like, dislike what you want to like, it's fine. Um, but I I didn't want to add and pile on to that, so I didn't tweet it. But I'm just like, it's it's got to be one of those things where Kathleen Kennedy's just like, ah, we always hire these people, and they. It's not like I mean, some people like this movie, like it's getting decent, okay reviews, you know. Um, but I I, I don't get it. But uh, anyways, I don't want to pile on to it. But yeah, it's not very good. It's overlong. It's half baked. It feels it's the I can't get over the wishing crystal, which is pretty funny. I I, I laughed at it a lot with nevis uh we were both like holy shit like we just kept making fun of it and um do you think they'll make like a proper toy that they'll try to sell of the wishing crystal like a memorabilia item i don't doubt it but i i, I don't know it's such a a weird release of this movie even and um it was weird watching it at home that I, we didn't even touch on that either but like seeing a uh you know a big 200 million dollar blockbuster like this like in at home from the comfort of my couch mind you like i got to watch it in 4k dolby atmos dolby vision so it like looked really nice and it was nice to not have the distractions and everything but you do miss going to the theater especially with even if i didn't like this movie um i still was like oh man it is weird sitting at home and watching this movie in my living room i don't know if you felt the same way yeah it almost felt to me like while i was watching it that i actually missed it while it played in theaters like in this weird right. way yeah. like i was watching the movie and it's like oh man like I, I it's weird that i missed this in theaters and it's like oh yeah i never came out to theaters but like i'm sure a lot of people are, are feeling that way because people are starting to catch up now with tenant as well right where like yeah you know you have this giant blockbuster kind of movie you know, made for quote unquote, the cinematic experience, you know, the Lord and savior, Christopher Nolan. And then, you know, like you're watching it at home in December and a lot of people are now starting to, you know, catch up with it and enjoy it or, you know, pile on it, depending on, you know, your, your, your opinion, but it is, it is a strange experience watching something that, that that's huge in terms of scale and scope budget, like I'm, I'm even thinking now. Like if you know James Bond goes the way of digital, like what you know, No Time to Die will be like in you know watching it at home. Like it is a kind of surreal experience. And yeah, you have a top notch home theater system. I have a good, but I'm missing the size. Like I have a very good quality TV and I have a good sound bar, but it's still not the same. Like You're I, all I would about say that I've, size, baby. I I have a great TV for like you know 
dramas and like you know uh not big i still think Cobra these Kai, movies, right yeah i mean cobra kai looks fantastic sounds fantastic on my tv but like i mean like adult dramas or like indie movies and stuff like that like we watch minari here we watch like uh, the tiff style movies you know we'll be I mean. watching sundance um, stuff probably yeah so like that that stuff i feel like is great on my tv but like i'm still i have a 55 inch tv because i bought it when we were in a small condo right and like now i wish i got something way bigger i want to say you wish Uh, yeah will i get it where's my wishing crystal what will it take Um, away from you though yeah i don't know who cares (laughs) um hopefully my 2.5 hours back of this movie um but I i still miss that even in a movie like this, that like, it's just not the same. And I, 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 I'm happy that, you know, I've been very vocal with how I think the theatrical model should change. And I embrace the change that we're having, but, um, watching something like this, I will always choose to go to the cinema. If I have that option for a big Hollywood blockbuster, like a wonder woman or like it depends if it's something i don't really care about then i'll probably be fine to watch it in my underwear on my tv but if it's like a big movie i really care about and i would have said that wonder woman probably fell in that category because we both liked the first one and we liked that it was gonna have this 80s it's taking place in the 80s and have an 80s vibe to it so i probably would have been like oh yeah i definitely want to go see that in a theater so um yeah i i missed that and i think it it took one of these movies, I guess Mulan was the first one and now wonder woman being the second giant blockbuster, but even something like soul, which I think worked totally fine on my TV looked great. And, um, but I don't think soul is a movie you probably needed to see in a theater, but wonder woman, I was like, ironically, soul is one of the best movies of the year and wonder woman is kind of one of the worst, but like, uh, I, I would have been like, Oh, wonder woman should have been seen in a theater where soul was fine to watch on Disney plus. And I understand that, but, uh, I don't know. Each movie's different, but it was just very strange on Christmas day. Just being like, all right, let's watch a brand new wonder woman movie. <laughs> so, um, this is the reality we're in and we'll and be in it. You got it. it. <laughs> yeah. You wished for it and you got it. Uh, I am going to give the movie a, Oh my God. I originally, I think I want to stick with my 1.5, but then I went up to a two and then I went back down to a 1.5. Uh, I think it's really bad. I'm going to go, I'm giving it a 1.5. I'm going to give it a two, but the reason why I'm also giving it a two, cause I could also give it a 1.5, but the reason why I'm giving it a two ultimately is because wishing crystal, wish, wishing crystal. Um, but also, I mean, it's still, and again, it's not saying much, it is slightly better than Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman. See where I disagree Suicide with Squad. you. That's fine. That's that's fine. It's a whole I know, I know. We, that's a whole. I don't want to get into that conversation, but I yeah, that's, I yeah. It. That's a whole other can of worms. But it, it but in terms of like it's 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 goofy plot. Like I don't mind that. I just wish that it was ninety minutes and not you know one hundred and fifty one minutes. Yeah, I don't know if that would have even saved this movie, but like I it understand. Might not have, but at least it would have been a it little. It wouldn't have been two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, like it didn't need to be. It really, honestly, there's nothing in this movie that I would say like, okay, like I understand why it is as long as it is. Like it, there's nothing that really needs any setup to be that long. There's nothing really in terms of connecting this to the rest of the dceu to kind of like you know create another spin-off or set up another sequel yeah. really like it's all pretty self-contained 
No, it is. And I mean, to touch on that, we don't need to go into rankings and things like that. But like, I think something like Aquaman, which I also, upon rewatch, don't think is a super great movie at all. Also but at extremely least, long for what it is. It's way too long. And it has a lot of the similar problems of this movie, but I feel like it embraces its campiness more than what this movie does. Where I feel like Aquaman knows what it is. Where Wonder Woman, I think, it's a literal still wants, fish out of water comedy. <laughs> yeah, where Wonder Woman eighty four uh, still is having like this identity crisis of like it doesn't want to be thought of as camp. It wants to be sincere or it wants to be taken seriously. Where Aquaman, I never thought that it want wanted to be taken seriously like there's the one deep sequence and stuff like that that's a little darker quote unquote and like shazam knows what it is other than like i mean actually i think shazam is totally awkward as well but upon rewatch i'm like all right at least it had those two different tones and and used them in different spots and it didn't feel like like it was fun at times, but then super dark at other times, but at least they were felt in different parts. So anyways, none of these movies are particularly good, including Man of Steel or Batman vs. Superman, which you mentioned. But and like Suicide Squad. Don't uh, forget Suicide oh, Squad. It's Suicide Squad's still the worst. That's bottom of the barrel. Justice League right above that. Yeah. I would put this Wonder Woman in that same category of the Shazam's Aquaman's Man of Steel and and Batman v Superman. And then you just have like a large gap between you know birds of prey and wonder woman um yeah. for me personally birds like those of prey are the- is probably the the best yeah i mean I, I, I actually like the again I, I like the first wonder woman like the stuff in between the kind of more conventional you know superhero stuff i think worthless shit <laughs> yeah yeah and, and again i like david thulis but that that whole like you know that's coming and like just where it goes is kind of predictable and cliched but um yeah birds of prey and the first wonder woman are 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 easily the best and i think birds of prey specifically kind of knew how to play with the kind of sporadic tone throughout and kind of match that with the title character and the story and sort of dark humor and humor of it and and it kind of again this movie almost feels like it is uh the kristen wig character where like it wants to be taken seriously but it's also kind of shy and goofy at the same time and then ends up becoming a cheetah woman yeah exactly because it wished for it had more than one wish (laughs) and then we wished we didn't have to see it uh all right thank you all for listening i hope you guys had a wonderful holidays um we apologize this is a couple days after i i didn't screen the movie i just waited for it to come out um that should almost be saying something too, but, um, but I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday. Have a, this, no, we have one more review before the end of the year, right? Or two, are we putting out that other one as well? Or are we holding that till January? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Minari. Uh, we'll, Minari. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Minari, yeah. Minari, I think we'll, it's coming out in the new year, but we'll figure out when we want to drop it, that. It comes but out in February in Canada. We will have a review of Cobra Kai season three coming very soon. Yeah. So, which I'm and excited. promising young woman in the new oh, yeah. year, which is also very exciting. Uh, but please go back and um, check out our other reviews on this channel. Eric and I have covered every major release um, from the last, you know, during, you know, all of this shit. So please go back and check out all our reviews on this channel. Uh, check out untitled movie podcast, uh, our 80th draft. Uh, 
is from uh, a week or so ago when we talked about all the Disney uh, investor day news. Um, we'll have a new draft up probably uh, for our best films of the year, uh, probably, you know, end of this year, early next year. So keep an eye on uh, that. Uh, please go subscribe over there as well as untitled movie conversations. We have conversations right now with uh, Joey Noel from kind of funny, Nick Scarpino from kind of funny, uh, Joey Madison from Awards Radar. So go check out those interviews over on Untitled Movie Conversations. Drop us a review on any of those podcasts or all three of them, if you would be so kind, as well as follow us on all of those social medias at uh, uh, Untitled underscore cast. Uh, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can follow more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all of those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can uh, follow or you can find more of my video reviews, pardon me, at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. And you can follow me on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Or just get a fucking dreamstone. <laughs> Wish, wishing crystal. Come on!